Welcome back to the Systems for Living podcast. I know it's been a while, but we are back and we are better. We are now on to episode three. And on episode two, we looked into how and why your contribution to this world matters. And on today's episode, we'll be answering some questions that the book poses about mediocrity. Why are so many ideas, projects and opportunities tossed to the roadside only to be replaced by easier and safer options? Why do so many of us start strongly with such hope, but over time succumb to the siren song of mediocrity? It's food for thought, right? Without much further ado, let's get into it. All ideas begin in the mind by divine inspiration from God. Let's not underestimate the power of our imagination and give credit to God where due. There are some divine ideas that come to us in a flash and when we think about it, there's really no way that it could have come out of our own thought process. We see so many examples in the Bible of people who were divinely inspired. Take Noah for example. He was given creative insight into how to design the boat that would remain afloat for approximately 150 days. Moses was also given creative insight into how to design the Ark of the Covenant of God. Honestly, the energy and enthusiasm that comes with these ideas is overwhelming and exciting for a short while, but why doesn't it last for long? Eventually, reality kicks in and our natural inclination is to risk assess. Hmm, maybe this won't work. Hmm, if I do this and it doesn't go well, I will be in debt, so let me retract. In Noah's case, he may have questioned whether that creative insight was even from God in the first place, because after all, it had never rained on earth before then. He may have asked himself, okay, these measurements I've been given, how am I going to cut this wood? How will I carry the wood to make this ark that is a hundred times bigger than me? We ask ourselves these questions because of people's opinions, the amount of money it may take, time constraints, and many, many other factors. And I want to start by saying that doing those things are quite common as it's our body's natural defense mechanism to protect itself. When we receive new ideas, we don't really want to exert too much energy. Your brain wants to conserve, your body wants to conserve energy. So it defends itself against trying new things. Hence why we tend to naturally question ourselves when we get new ideas. This pattern also tends to happen when we start something new as well. So we enter into a new career, a new relationship, and initially we want to give our best. We arrive two hours early, we're eager to stay late, and in a new relationship you're eager and willing to order the surprise bouquet of flowers on a random Monday or send those cute good morning texts that are two paragraphs long. But after a while we get familiar, we risk assess and everything becomes predictable and boring. Sometimes we even end up being able to work on autopilot as nothing in our life stretches us anymore. We enter into mundane routines of waking up, going to work, coming back, making the same food, doing the same things, working on autopilot. And it's so funny because children don't suffer from this same pattern. And there tends not to be a cap on the ideas. In a child's world, gravity doesn't exist and cows could fly if they wanted to. So their enthusiasm over an idea remains consistent. You'll notice that if a child has an idea, they'll tell their parent every day, every single day, until one day they start to believe it when mum or dad says, that's not possible, sweetie. And it ends there. 
In all of the examples I've just given, you can see that there are several reasons why we allow mediocrity to creep into our lives. But let's actually look into what mediocrity is. That's what we're going to be speaking about today, what it is and how to identify it. So looking at the actual word mediocrity, it's made up of two Latin words, medius and ochreus. Medius means middle and ochreus means rugged mountain. This literally translates to the middle of a rugged mountain. And when we look at mediocrity, this again literally translates to the meaning and the definition that mediocrity is settling halfway on the climb of a difficult mountain. I want you to take a moment to really soak that in. Mediocrity is settling halfway on the climb of a difficult mountain. Let's take it to the word of God. The Bible talks about life being a race. If you read in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise be to the living God. From the scripture we can see that life is not a hundred meter or two hundred meter sprint. It's not just a straight road. It's not a straight, short road. Life is a marathon. Life is a marathon. And this marathon, it's not on a, on a flat road. This marathon has rough terrain and you have valleys and you have mountains and you have rocky, rocky areas and you have sandy areas and you have muddy areas. Life is a marathon and marathon requires endurance. Hence why the scripture tells us that we should run with endurance. We should run with endurance the race that is set before us. It is a difficult mountain. This life is a difficult mountain. You cannot stop midway when you think you've done enough. No, you need to run the race to the very end. And the encouraging thing about life is as you grow, your capacity to handle more increases. So as you're running the marathon, eventually it gets to that point where you don't even feel your legs moving. They're just moving on their own. If we relate this back to our biblical example of Noah, I can imagine that over the 120 year period that Noah was building this ark, every piece of wood must have become easier to carry. Every part of the ark must have become easier to put together as as the vision that God put in his head is starting to come to life. He must have grown stronger, quicker and more efficient. And the thing about life, maybe not so much in Noah's case, but in life in general, when you're doing something and that thing starts to look amazing and it starts to look successful and you're getting really, really good at what you're doing, you will start to earn the respect and the applause of others because you start to make it look easy. But it's important that you don't let this get to your head and that you you don't relax make sure that you humble yourself and remember that there is still more work to be done 
Imagine if Jesus became content that he had done enough and he didn't see his journey all the way through. So amazing we're talking about this because we're literally just coming out of another Easter period and we've literally just come out of another Resurrection Sunday where we were reminded of how important it was that Jesus saw his journey all the way through. When the crowd started to follow Jesus, he could have decided, you know something, my work here is done. I have shown the people God's power. Yeah, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. At least people think I'm great at my job. People come to me when they need healing. Surely that's what I was called to do, to to, to bring God's glory down to earth. And I did it. Imagine if he stopped because of the applause of other people. And you remember in previous episodes, we were talking, I was talking about your why. Your why has to be greater than you. And Jesus's why was so much greater than him. He always gave credit back to the father because the father was his why. So he knew that he could not stop. And in the end, because of what he did, because he decided to make it to the top of his rugged mountain, we were able to have the gift of salvation and a privilege to have a relationship with the father. Oh, and what a privilege it is to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us because of what Jesus Christ did. And in the same respect, there is much work for you to do. Even Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, verses 12, he says, verily, verily. (laughs) And one thing I love about Jesus is when he says, verily, verily, you know, you have to pay attention. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So Jesus completed his work that we may continue and we may do greater, because now we have the same spirit that Jesus Christ had. So that means that we have the same ability to not stop in the middle of our rugged mountain. See, the thing about mountains is that you get to a certain point and people start to see you and the middle of the mountain, it, it, can, it can get very comfortable because, yeah, like I was saying, people can see you, people are clapping for you. And if you read about the experiences of people who have climbed like the Mount Everest, is you start to, after that midway point, that's when it really gets tough. The altitude changes, it gets harder to breathe. The weather changes, it gets colder. You start to become a bit delirious sometimes. Your legs get tired. Your body is weak. You want to rest. At this point, you can still say, okay, I would use less energy to come back down or to stay where I am than to climb the rest of the way. So let me just stay. At least I climbed half the mountain. But it's not enough because God called you to go all the way. The same way that if Jesus didn't go all the way, we would not have salvation. It's the same way that if you don't go all the way, somebody somewhere is going to lack because of it. So let's ask ourselves, how do we actually identify when we've succumbed to mediocrity? Because the thing about the state of mediocrity is sometimes you you, you don't know when you've 
been in the same place for a while because you're comfortable. And the thing about comfort is you don't tend to recognize when time goes by. There's this saying that says, time flies when you're having fun. And being in a place of mediocrity sometimes is very fun because you're comfortable, you're able to relax, you think you've arrived. So you're just enjoying the fruits of your labor. There's nothing wrong with that, surely. You're wrong. I was having a conversation with someone recently and they said to me, if you can do your job in your sleep, there's a problem. And when she said that, it reminded me of this movie that I watched. It's called Soul. It's a Disney movie. I would highly, highly recommend that you watch it. And just a disclaimer, I'm not saying that this movie scene I'm about to explain is a biblical example. It's simply just a narration of the type of person that I'm trying to describe. So there was a scene where the main characters of the movie were shown a land of people. And it was a very dark land. And these people were literally dark shells of themselves. And the only the only thing you could see was their figure, the outline of their figure and their eyes. And in this land, they called it the land of lost souls. So it was full of people of lost souls and people whose souls had been disconnected from their earthly bodies. And there was this specific example of this hedge fund manager And he was consistently repeating to himself, make a trade, make a trade, make a trade, make a trade. That's all he was saying. And when they connected his soul back to his body, in the movie, you should have seen the way he jumped right back to life. And he asked himself, what am I doing with my life? And he jumped up with the readiness to start something new. In the eyes of the world, you're doing great. You have amazing opportunities and anybody, anybody would be happy to have the promotions and the connections that you have. But you yourself, you have a deep sense of dissatisfaction because while you are doing work that others admire, you know deep down it is not your best. After a while, you even begin to make safe decisions, decisions that fit in line with everybody's expectations of you or decisions that are less risky so that you do not fall from your perceived and glorified position of success. Some of us are at the top of our careers and are called to make the decision to leave, take your expertise to help a struggling company somewhere. Some of us are supposed to go to uni and some of us are not. And some of us are meant to stay at the job that we have lost love for, but just do things differently. The instruction is the same here in all of these cases. What you are truly destined to do will only be suffocated by these safe decisions. So you need to start making risky ones. Okay, so I've told you that now and you've decided I'm going to make a risky decision and I am going to move to a new job or I'm going to attend that new masterclass, or I'm going to add this new service or item to my business, and you're full of vigor and life again. And then within a few months, you're back to feeling tired and bored. It's because you've tried to fix an internal problem with an external solution. You need to change your mindset. The book describes this perfectly. It says, people who are successful over the long term and who continue to produce in new and interesting ways after they are well established in their career refuse to allow circumstances to define their engagement. 
Let me say that part again. They refuse to allow circumstances to define their engagement. They choose to continue to grow and develop new skills and seek unanticipated opportunities to use their skills to create value. Let me repeat that part again. And seek unanticipated opportunities to use their skills to create value. These are people who rather than complaining, they see it as an opportunity to create value. These are people who constantly sign up to those new training opportunities and are always willing to try even if it's uncomfortable. These are the CEOs and the leaders and the managers who go to the belly of the building to find ways to improve the work life of the floor staff. And let me not lie to you, acquiring this mindset and this ability is not easy. But remember that you're simply purposed to daily say yes to God. The book had this amazing quote and it said, The seed of tomorrow's brilliance are planted in the soil of today's activity. I'm going to repeat that again. The seed of tomorrow's brilliance are planted in the soil of today's activity. So just start today by sending that email, asking for help, making that phone call and asking God for the boldness to do it. Mediocrity is not a destination, but it's a decision. Remember that the same idea that started in the mind should be incubated by the right mindset to prevent you from falling back into mediocrity. So I want you to use today's episode to reflect on whether you're in a state of mediocrity. And if you are, then like the guy in the soul movie, I want you to wake up and ask yourself, what am I doing with my life? And make a move and consciously make the decision to start to change your mindset. In part two of this episode, we'll be looking into seven deadly sins of mediocrity, which cover the possible ways mediocrity may have crept into your life. Because after all, how are you supposed to change something if you don't know why you ended up there in the first place? Thank you so much for listening and stay blessed.